the first breakthrough I had was testing my genetics. Um, I came across this service that said, you know, you can just upload your DNA results from another service. And I'd done 23andMe like almost 10 years ago with my wife. So I was like, well, that's easy, you know, compared to most tests, we have to get a blood draw and all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll try it. I'd tried so many other tests already. And um, I was blown away at just how accurate and helpful the information was. I was like, wow. You are listening to The Dr. Haley Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you optimize your health. Each episode, there will be an interview or a message to help you discover better health. We will be featuring health radicals on the show to bring new ideas to the table, as well as doubling down on key fundamentals to support you living your best life. Your host is no other than the founder of Haley Nutrition, Dr. Michael Haley. Today's guest on the Dr. Haley Show podcast is Elwin Robinson, owner of geneticinsights.co and feelyounger.net. On his websites, you can find not only supplements, but also genetic testing kits, which is a little bit new to me. I know that genetics plays a role in your health and your predispositions towards things, which we do have a say in. And knowing those predispositions is the step up that we can get so i like to be a guinea pig i'm gonna order a kit for myself and take the test myself and see what i can learn about myself and my health and my predispositions towards problems but in this interview i'll be asking elwin about it what kinds of things we can expect to learn and how much it costs and and why isn't everyone doing this so jury's out once i get my test results I'll be happy to share, share them with the audience and let you know if I think it's a worthwhile investment getting the test, but enjoy the show. Oh, and I want to thank you for joining me here today on the Dr. Haley Show. You know, I was drawn to you uh, when I saw your YouTube channel, and you've been on YouTube for quite a long time. You have an excellent channel. I'm a subscriber. My followers should check out your channel and subscribe. It's great content. How did you get into this space of, well, creating content, helping people? Um, yeah, what's your story? Thank you so much. Uh, well, I guess the brief version is that both my parents were very unhealthy and also into very alternative health stuff. So I was into it from a young age. They were both teachers. My dad was a biochemist. Um, the house was always full of supplements and health stuff. My mother had cancer several times and I saw her heal herself with alternative methods and I saw her get worse again. So I saw, you know, both of those factors. But anyway, for myself, I was kind of just a normal rebellious kid until probably my late 20s, to be honest. And I got really um, unhealthy and unable to work. And I decided to turn my life around and got into natural health myself, detoxification, nutrition, all of that kind of stuff. And I start uh, Chinese herbalism and Chinese medicine as well, um, more Eastern perspective. And I was doing really great with that for a good 10 years. Um, and I was teaching, and as you said, I had a YouTube channel back in 2010. I started teaching the stuff that um, I had learned that had helped me. And then, you know, a few years ago, I started to suffer again. My health started to go downhill, my digestive health. And doctors weren't really able to find what's wrong with me, but I, I was pretty sick i got i'm six foot three i got down to um like 130 pounds i was mm. you know really underweight and emaciated i was 
full of anxiety, which of course they treated as a, uh, a mental health issue, if anything, although they didn't really do anything about that either. Um, and, you know, feeling awful, not able to digest anything, constant digestive issues. And I couldn't work out what was going on. And the first breakthrough I had was testing my genetics. Um, I came across this service that said, you know, you can just upload your DNA results from another service. And I'd done 23andMe like almost 10 years ago with my wife. So I was like, well, that's easy. You know, compared to most tests, we have to get a blood draw and all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll try it. I'd tried so many other tests already. And um, I was blown away at just how accurate and helpful the information was. I was like, wow. The, the crazy thing to me is that I took the, um, the, the I did the test like back in 2013 when I didn't have any of the health issues that I ended up developing in 2020. And yet it already predicted that I would have all those health issues, you know, wow. even from before. So that's when I realized, wow, if I if only I'd have known about this before, then I, you know, if I'd have got this genetic information 10 years ago, then I never would have had any of these issues because I would have known that I had a tendency towards them and I would have been able to do the steps to prevent them because it doesn't just tell you a risk. It also tells you like recommendations based on science, based on, you know, you have a specific genetic variant and here are specific things that have been found to help with that variant. So that made me feel like, you know what, it, it renewed my enthusiasm for teaching about health. And I started teaching about genetics and how to feel younger. I guess that's the short verse, short as I can do. <laughs> yeah, well, it's super interesting. Most of my following, when they think of genetics, they probably think of predispositions towards certain cancers. Mm -hmm. What else, what other information are we getting? Yeah, it's a great question. As I said, up until a few years ago, I hadn't really thought about it more deeply than that either. Um, but actually, there's a huge amount we can say. So, you know, with our particular service, there's uh, uh, over 350 different reports that we provide. And it tells you anything from. So, for instance, uh, every nutrient, so every vitamin, um, every important mineral, but even every amino acid, uh, every essential amino acid, every essential fat, you know, omega 3, omega 6, DHA, EPA, all that kind of stuff. So for every single one of those, some people need more than the average amount. Some people need less than the average amount. And obviously some people need an average amount. So the crazy thing is, you know, when we look at nutrition packets or stuff like that, it will say, you know, the the recommended daily amount is X. But of course, for some people, it's two or three times as much. For some people, it's half as much. With some things like even Linus Pauling talked about this in the 80s, like how certain groups of people need 100 times as much vitamin B3 as the average person, right? So learning about that and of course some amino acids or some vitamins for instance are precursors for important hormones and neurotransmitters which profoundly affect the way that we feel so nutrients are very important some people are talking about hormones some people have a tendency for higher or lower hormones so i have a tendency to high cortisol genetically so no matter what i do i always have that tendency i have to be aware of that some people have a tendency to say low oxytocin and not everyone may be familiar with oxytocin but Oxytocin is often called the love hormone, um, but I see it as the more the satisfaction fulfillment hormone. Like some people point out, it doesn't necessarily make you more loving, but what it does is make you feel fulfilled and satisfied. Um, it's used, for instance, for uh, off-label for addictions in some cases, because like food addiction or drug addiction, when you have a lot of oxytocin in your system, you feel satisfied. You're like, I'm good. I don't need anything. Um, so for instance, some people have a low level genetically of oxytocin, which means that they're always going to feel empty and like they need to do something to fill this hole inside themselves. So there's hormones, um, toxins. One of the big breakthroughs for me 
was it said that I had a genetic tendency to break down toxins very slowly, specifically leads and mercury. And then when I, um, I and then I did a blood test to confirm, and I had sky high levels of lead. Um, I think the reference range highest level is three micrograms of deciliter. Mine was twenty seven. And it really shouldn't be above one. And when you have that much lead in your blood, you know, actually more than, you know, a lot of nutrients like manganese and chromium and stuff like that, it screws up everything. So no wonder I was struggling to get well and no wonder all these practitioners and doctors weren't able to help, you know. But it was as soon as you say that, everyone says, well, how are you exposed to lead? The truth is, you know, my wife did the same test. You know, we've been eating the same things, living in the same environment, all the rest of it for the last 10 years. She had no lead. So it was like, Ah, it's a genetic tendency that I couldn't break it down that was more of a problem. Um, so, yeah, that's just a few examples, but I could go on. <laughs> that's a good one, actually, because I've noticed, you know, for instance, myself, I somehow I, I've never been tested, but I know that I detox very quickly. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would get my blood tested, for instance, for heavy metal toxicity. Um, I never did the genetic testing, but I really didn't have any toxicity. Yet people in my same household did um, from, you know, because they have different genetics. And it's like, well, how come we both been exposed to the same thing for our whole life? Why do I not have a, the same toxicity as you? And, and why after doing all of these detoxes that you've done, do you still test high for these same things? Um, so that is definitely making sense yeah as you know there's a few different potential reasons for that but that's definitely one uh, mold is a big one these days right in the functional medicine world everyone's talking about mycotoxins and mold toxicity and that's one where about 25 percent of the population just have this genetic variant that means that they break it down badly because of course throughout history we have been exposed to mold right that that is something we wouldn't have avoided and yet suddenly all these people are sick for it and there's other factors as well, you know, other toxins right. in our environment that are new. But yeah, genetics is a big one. As you said, you, you have a brother and sister living in a house. One of them is deathly sick. One of them is totally fine. And, you know, one exposed, or both exposed to mold and one being able to tolerate mold even. Yeah. Um, why is that? Uh, you know, it's interesting because I, I just had this thought as you were talking about it. You know, I'm in my late 50s now. And you look great. one of the one of the things that we're thinking about at this point in our life is, wow, we don't have the same uh, energy we used to have. And a lot of people want to run and jump to uh, having hormone replacement therapy. Now, I've never done that. I've never been tested for it, but I can see why it, why it would be appealing. But rather than testing hormones, I'm hearing that you can actually get a genetic test and probably have possibly even more information that could help you nutritionally or with lifestyle changes? Absolutely. I'm definitely not against hormone replacement therapy when it's necessary. Um, but I generally would start with genetic testing for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's non-invasive, right? So it's just based on saliva. A lot of people are afraid of needles and, you know, they don't want to be dealing with other stuff. Um, second of all, it's very cheap. You know, so a broad spectrum blood test is going to run into, you know, $500, something like that for 50, 100 markers. Uh, as I said, with a DNA test, it's just a little bit of saliva. If you've really done ancestry service, that's already covered. And then, you know, depending on anything from $50 to maximum $200, you can find out, you know, hundreds of different variables. Like it's a very full spectrum. So that's what I did. Because, of course, even with toxins, you know, I'm sure as a practitioner, 
you could spend thousands of dollars testing every single toxin that a person might be reacting to, right? If you, especially if you include the allergens and potential intolerances, which the body treats as a toxin in that case, like there's so much. So to just be able to start with, okay, what should I even be testing for? You know, it's such a huge, so rather than spending a huge amount of money, because I did, I spent so much money on practitioners and tests and none of them were helpful, but it's because I wasn't testing for the right stuff. So I would say just in terms of ease and value for money, it makes sense to start with genetics. Of course, genetics gives a predisposition, not a diagnosis. So like with the lead example that I gave, it was still useful for me to then test my blood for lead to make sure that that was the case before, you know, bothering with any kind of lead detox protocol or, you know, bit over the nutritional imbalances even. Mm. I mean, with some things like B vitamins, because they're, you know, pretty safe, you can just go for it. But with other things, like if you have a tendency to, you know, uh, low copper or low iron or something like that, you want to make sure you actually have it before you take even more of those things. Uh, but it's, it's, I'd say it's a great starting place, um, not not a um, alternative to what people like you do, but just a, a way to start with it. Okay. Now, ease one fear that a lot of people may have. And if I get this genetic test, is my DNA information going to be, you know, submitted to some government database or? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, certainly, you know, not. Um, we are, uh, we, we use a provider called Omics Edge, which is very, um, uh, what's the word, well thought of. They have hypocritization, all the rest of it. Uh, you know, on our part, we do all kinds of um things to uh, max basically there's only two people who have access to that back end with our genetic data is me and you know uh my business partner we don't let you know anyone else touch it who may be able to compromise it uh you know there's two-factor authentication ip checking all the rest of it so we take security very seriously um uh, to be honest if the government demanded it and we are and the business is domiciled in that company then technically it could be uh, uh taken unfortunately uh but other than that you know we certainly wouldn't do it unless there was you know a, a legal demand that was not able to be uh resisted we believe very much in you know freedom and all the rest of it but yeah to be honest if it's out there i don't want to lie to people it is possible so i would balance that get uh, it's not possible to be stolen but as i said if the government demands it you can't really say no to them um if that's where you're domiciled i would balance the reason why i decided to go for it anyway despite being a very paranoid person especially in my youth about all this kind of stuff um is because of the value in it as i said mm -hmm. i would still be very sick and very unhealthy um, if you are someone who's very concerned about it and you have no health concerns, not just currently, but you know, you're not worried about, oh, I might have got this from my parents or anything like that, then you know, fair enough. Then I understand that volume of judgment, maybe that's not worth it for you because of the potential risk. But as I say, we minimize the risk. We're not a you know a huge corporation that has thousands of people accessing your data. We are a small company with a benefit that means there's literally only a couple of us. Yeah, yeah. And I have thought about it. It's kind of like, well, what would they do with that data anyway? I don't think the government's going to, you know, tailor a bio weapon to, you know, target Dr. Michael Haley. <laughs> but they could. <laughs> they might have to someday. You never know if I rise in the ranks of politics or something like that. They might have to. <laughs>
I don't think I said her name right, but it is CBDA for a 7% off site-wide on Haley Nutrition, including the products that are on sale. All right, back to the show. Well, yeah, I guess if, if you're considering yourself to be, you know, a person who ultimately might be targeted by the government, then I guess that could be a factor. <laughs> uh, but I don't, you know, I don't have such a, <laughs> what's the word, uh, ambitions. I'm happy to just be a normal person. I don't feel right, like right, right, normal, right, normal right. people are being targeted, to be honest. Yeah. Now, when you get this genetic profile predispositions, uh, how much of it is dietary changes versus exercise changes versus, uh, you know, meditation? What's the recommendations going to look like? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so we split it into food, supplementation and lifestyle. Lifestyle is a very broad category because it could be anything from meditation to psychotherapy to exercise to uh, you know, making sure you get enough sun, whatever it may be, right? Because we have such a wide range of things. Now, that's for the health risks. Um, if we're talking about nutrients, for instance, then the recommendations are going to be here are the foods that are naturally high in that nutrient, right? If we're talking about toxins, then we're talking about here are the common source of, you know, exposure to those toxins, stuff like that. But yeah, for the health risks, it's that combination. Generally, supplements are not going to be at the top of that list. So all the recommendations we make are... First of all, they're personalized. So meaning if you and I have a report on, you know, how to lose weight, for instance, uh, or, you know, tendency to be overweight, your top three recommendations will not be the same as my three top, top three recommendations necessarily. Those are based on your unique genetic profile. However, there's often similarity, like diet and exercise are going to be near the top of that list no matter what. But the specific nutrients that may be beneficial the specific other things that may be beneficial or type of exercise or type of diet, right? For some, one person, a ketogenic diet may be recommended. Another person, a gluten-free diet may be recommended. So those things are more um, specific. Okay. Now, one of the things we talked about briefly before we started recording today, I mentioned that you have some websites that I had found. I believe one is a nutrition website in the UK. Do you have one in the United States also? Uh, yeah, so my old website uh, is like more of a herb website. The US site is called Feel Younger. Okay. Um, and so Genetic Insights is available from there. Um, Feel Younger is basically just me providing the products that are most commonly recommended in the genetic reports. So, you know, it's a lot of very, to be honest, common stuff, like a good form of magnesium glycinate, vitamin D3, or probiotics, all that kind of stuff. It's just, hey, if you want it, we have some, of course, if you want to get it from someone else, that's fine too. Well, you know, it, it, I found some pretty interesting products there and it told me a little bit about you, meaning you can go to a health food store and you won't necessarily find uh, ghee or, you know, fermented cod liver oil or, you know, some of the unique things that you have on the site, which tells me you understand nutrient dense foods as well as supplements. Uh, so And, you know, you had mentioned that it's not necessarily taking supplements, but also changing the foods that you eat and having recommendations. These foods are high in these particular nutrients, and this is why you might want those. What yes, were some yeah. of the recommend? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, you know, we always want to start with food, right, ideally. Yeah. What were some of the recommendations that you got from your own genetic report that you feel had the most impact on overcoming your health challenge uh so lead was one 
like I mentioned. Um, another one was uh, Compt. So I mentioned about how anxious I was. Um, so Compt is a gene that breaks down stress chemicals, um, specifically adrenaline, noradrenaline, and dopamine. And so some people are fast Compt, and some people are slow Compt, and some people are in the middle. Fast Compt means that you break down stress chemicals very quickly. Slow Compt means you break them down slowly. This is really interesting for me, not just in helping my health at the time, and anxiety was one of the root issues, but also helping me to really see myself differently and have compassion for myself. Because I always used to feel very inadequate because I wasn't resilient to stress. Like it, it didn't take much for me to become, you know, overwhelmed. And I really, it really was very hard on myself about that. So when I learned about Compt, it really helped. So Compt says some people break the stress chemicals down quickly. The advantage of that is that, yes, you are more resilient to stress. You can be in a war zone and still function okay, like literally. Um, if something traumatic happens, you overcome it fairly quickly. So, I, you know, that's the kind of person that I was maybe uh, envious of. But the slow comp means you break down stress chemicals more slowly. But here's the thing. As you know, dopamine is one of those stress chemicals, right? The switch between dopamine and noradrenaline is just, you know, one little, uh, uh, one little switch. Your body makes one out of the other. And so what I discovered is those fast comps people, yes, they break down adrenaline and noradrenaline more quickly, and therefore they're more resilient to stressful crisis type situations, but they also break down dopamine quickly. And so they're much more likely to suffer with ADD, ADHD, um, you know, boredom, basically. And often people who have that fast comp create a lot of stress and drama and crisis in their life because it's the only time that they feel alive. It's the only time that they have enough dopamine that they actually feel good. Whereas, you know, with my type, it's very easy to build up high levels of dopamine. Um, and so I realized it's not that I'm, you know, inferior. It's just that my genetics are more um, capable of thriving in a peacetime, while the other type of genetics are more capable of thriving in a wartime. And both of them are good and bad, depending on the situation. The other thing is that you can actually change that. So you can slow down or speed up comps nutritionally, going back to what you said. And it turns out that uh, nutrients that tend to be found more in animals speed up comp. Nutrients that tend to be found more in plants slow down comp. And so uh, I ended up going for animal foods, but of course you don't have to. You can supplement them if you want. But it's basically methyl donors like creatine um, and uh, um, choline are the, the big two that help to speed up comp. And then uh, flavonoids, you know, your quercetin and your resveratrol and bioflavonoids, all the rest. They slow down comps. So that was a big um, helper for me. I started taking supplemental choline because I didn't want to have eggs or liver. And I started, you know, actually having animal food. And slowly I started to, to come down. That adrenaline level was able to come down. Uh, I, yeah, I can give more examples. You know, but It's interesting because you're kind of <laughs> answering my next question, which was, okay, what were some of the things that you were doing wrong? And what changes did you make that, you know, allowed your life to get better based on that gene? And it almost sounds like, well, I was having too many fruits and vegetables and not enough meat. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Um, you know, I, I was a vegan for a while. That was when I first started in 2010. But I was actually vegetarian my whole life. My parents raised me that way. So I never had meat. I did used to have dairy, but then I quit that in my late 20s. So I had a long time with no animal food. So no natural creatine in the diet, no choline, no carnitine, no carnosine you know, not enough B12, which is another thing which helps the methylation. So all of these factors. 
And now this is, I'm not like carnivore pro meat trying to push down to you or anyone else. For some people, as I said, it's the exact opposite. They need more flavonols, right? They need more fruits and vegetables for this, but it's just about finding what's right for you. Yeah. You know, I've talked to my audience quite a bit about this and typically a all vegan diet isn't the healthiest diet. We would consider it very detoxifying and it might be something that's necessary for someone fighting a cancer or a certain struggle where they have to detoxify and cleanse more, but it's not necessarily the best health promoting full expression, maximize your potential diet. And I used yeah, to it, think that, yeah, animal foods were kind of required for that survival of the fittest, but I guess genetically speaking, that could be wrong as well. Well, the funny thing is, you know, the cliche is like the warrior it loves, you know, the high meat diet, right? And then maybe the spiritual person who's you know, in an ashram and a monastery, they would eat a largely plant-based diet. And the funny thing is that it's actually exacerbating an imbalance, perhaps for a reason, right? Like if you have to go out into battle tomorrow morning and, you know, possibly risk your life, maybe you want to have more meat to make your comp even faster. And ditto, if you're about to go into a meditation room and meditate or pray all day, then maybe you want to slow down your comp even more so that you're even more able to focus because, of course, dopamine gives you the ability to focus even when there's, you know, there's nothing else going on. So, yeah, it depends so much. And of course, there's all kinds of other health reasons why you would want to have plant or animal based or, you know, some kind of combination. But that's the the one that I'd never heard of, which is the stress based reason. Yeah. Yeah. And when there's people that are you know going to make choices to be vegetarian or vegan uh, because of certain spiritual conflicts they have with consuming animal foods. OK, but you might be actually sacrificing your health. But for the sake of your spiritual wellness. Yeah, or, or you could supplement, right? You could go, you know, I could have a little bit of creatine, I can take choline, I can do B12, maybe zinc, you know, maybe iron. You can you can become aware and empower yourself. I, I don't think anyone has to eat animals. I, I really respect and understand the desire not to want to eat a dead body because I didn't do it most of my life. So it does seem weird to me still. I get it totally. Um, and I get the uh, the ethical element to it. But it's as I said, it's in, it's informing yourself, and empowering yourself to make that choice and go, you know what, if I don't want to eat any animals, that's fine. But I'm going to have to supplement a bunch of stuff in that case, or I'm going to suffer eventually, unfortunately. You know, just for uh, giggles to touch on that spiritual aspect of food, I do think we have gotten away from it. And we don't necessarily have the respect for the animal foods that we are consuming. Over time, I believe we lost that because well, we no longer have to kill our own animals. We just go to the store and everything's there and ready to prepare and we throw it on the grill. Yes. I remember the first time I actually had to kill my food and it became one of those moments in time where I understood why we now give thanks and, and pray, you know, before consuming our food. And in this particular case, we had chickens in our backyard and one of them was a rooster. We didn't know that when we bought the little chicks. We thought we had all little baby hens. And one day, one rooster started making some noise. We thought, oh, please don't do that. The neighbors aren't going to allow it. You know, we're all in a tight little neighborhood here. Not really supposed to have chickens in this neighborhood. And, you know, if, if you're really quiet, you can live here. But if you're going to do this all the time, we're going to have to eat you. And that night we had to eat our rooster. Uh, so I actually had to, you know, kill and prepare 
an actual chicken. Wow. Life-changing, new respect for animal food. So for what Absolutely. it's worth. I think it's even true for vegetables, right? You go to the, the effort of actually growing a vegetable. It's a very different experience to buying it off a shelf, I think, even in that case. Absolutely. And I think everyone should be doing that. If you don't have property, you should maybe be growing your own sprouts in your kitchen sink. Or who knows? Maybe not sprouts. Those might be bad for you. <laughs> Depending <laughs> on you lots of things. You get genetic tested to find out what kind of sprouts you might want to grow. <laughs> All right. Tell me some of the uh, of your favorite testimonials related to what you do. People that were doing things wrong, got genetic tested, and uh, found the answers to their problems. Yeah, sure. I mean, most things I keep confidential because uh, you know, uh, if you go to someone as a client, even hearing a story about yourself with your name removed can be kind of funny. But there's a few people who've given me permission. Um, so one of them is a business partner who was really, really struggling with energy. And he thought he needed a uh, testosterone. And I was like, mm, I'm not so sure. And everything that the way that he was describing it sounded to me more like it was like high cortisol, low thyroid. But I knew like he was one of those very busy people not interested in getting blood tests and all the hassle of that. So I was like, you know what, let's just get you to the genetic testing. He did it. And his reports came back with a top 1% risk score for hypothyroidism. So the risk scores are sometimes they're binary, just yes or no, like you have a specific tendency. But uh, when we can, we actually give a percentage. So what I found is that if the risk is like within the top 10%, so 90% and the person is by the age of say 35, 40, they usually either have it or have had it. If it's in the top 2%, so 98% are, I don't think I've ever seen a person who doesn't have it or you know has had it, usually had it. Now, to be honest, I've done the reports for quite a few people who are health gurus and health teachers. Um, and so because of that, sometimes I do go through their reports and they're not expressing a lot of their risks. But then what I find is they're already doing and have been doing for years most of the recommendations, right? And so it just proves again that that genetics is not fate right you can overcome these issues but anyway when i speak to a normal person who's not <laughs> you know a fanatical health guru um they they've pretty much always expressed it and so that was certainly the case for him so then because of that because i said look it was my suspicion but he uses a top one percent when people see top one percent they're like wow okay so that was enough to get him to go to a doctor and get some testing and sure enough he had not only hypothyroidism, but also Hashimoto's and extremely high cortisol um, and also low testosterone. But I told him, I really think that's secondary. I really believe thyroid is very primary in many cases. Um, and, uh, you know, he's able to function again, which is, you know, great for him and, and his family. And and th that case also for me, because, <laughs> um, you know, we were working together and without him, I'd be lost. So uh, so that's one example um, and let me example. clarify on that one. That was he's able to function again with just primarily dietary changes, maybe exercise changes, no hormones. No, no. he with Hashimoto. Uh, look, if it were a person who was willing to do a lot of lifestyle dietary changes, then that this this person is not willing to do any of that. So they were on they were put on low dose low dose naltrexone, which I'm a fan of, to lower the Hashimoto's. And then a armor thyroid, so a natural glandular. 
I am not against the glandular thyroid. Um, I believe that throughout most of history, just like we would have eaten animals, we would have eaten all the animals. And I feel like to some degree, so every time you have a chicken soup with a whole chicken, every time you have a fish soup with a whole fish, you're going to get a little bit of thyroid hormone from the animal naturally. So I think the unnatural thing is that when they discovered how important thyroid is for health, they actually made it illegal to include it in the food like it had been throughout our entire evolution. Mm. And now the only way you can get glandular thyroid is to buy it from a pharmaceutical company. So I don't think the conspiracy is pushing you know, bioidentical hormones on us in that case. I think the conspiracy is removing a bioidentical hormone that we would have had in our diet throughout most of our evolution um, and selling it back to us at a greatly inflated price as a drug. That's yeah, yeah. that's that. interesting. But, you know, <laughs> it makes me think of uh, some of the supplements that you can get, though, where you can get organs in capsules, literally animal organs, some of the organ meats that you might not want to actually eat because you haven't been your whole life. So it seems foreign eating the whole animal. Yeah, it's it's kind of arbitrary. So basically, it, it's weird to me that it's it, it's considered a supplement to buy an adre uh, adrenal glands even though you know it's high levels of cortisol and noradrenaline, which can have quite a powerful effect on you, but it's a drug to buy a thyroid gland. Um, so you know the, the line between food, supplements, and drugs, to me, is often very, very arbitrary. Like in some countries, something will be classed as a supplement. In some countries, it'll be classed as a drug. Um, you know, the line between food and drug, right? Garlic, garlic, to me, seems like quite a strong drug. You know, it has quite a strong antibiotic effect. It is quite a strong effect but it's considered a food right whereas a very mild plant like um i don't know ashwagandha is considered a supplement because we only ever get it in pills but you know what i mean so yeah i i, I don't look at it as very black and white i look at it as kind of a continuum um and i don't yeah. think the form it comes in or who's selling it is the main you know reason to take it or not yeah yeah uh you mentioned your business partner and the hormonal thyroid and and testosterone and that was all about energy and just feeling the you know feeling energy feeling energy mm -hmm. having strength to get through the day and do what you have to do have you had any where it was a significant health challenge such as you know a, a cancer or a, a, an illness a significant um, irritable bowel or celiac or something like that so any kind of disease i would not um be able to you know uh talk about not being a, a healthcare practitioner uh, but i honestly don't focus on serious diseases i don't make any claims to um and genetic insights like we do talk about the apoe gene for instance which can be a risk factor for cancer but we we don't actually talk about um you know your chance of getting cancer uh that's it, yeah i mean we tend to stay away from the life-threatening stuff because so we can stay around, basically, so we can stay legal and you know in compliance and the rest of it. Everything that we do is 100% FDA compliant. Now, you know the other stuff you mentioned, absolutely right. So IBS. So I uh, I had a client who had all kinds of digestive issues for many years, wasn't able to find um, any solution to it, and then they did an IBS report, and again they were, I think they were in the top two percent, and so. I think they spend a lot of time like trying different uh, uh, antibacterials, antiparasitics. Like they they were absolutely convinced that they must have some kind of infection in there, even though it couldn't be found. And then with the IBS report, it was oh, so with the IBS, I mean, 
it blows my mind that we can actually give a report for IBS because, of course, as you know, IBS stands for you know irritable bowel syndrome. Syndrome means that the medical establishment doesn't really understand what it is, where it comes from, what causes it, and all the rest of it. So the fact that we can predict with such high accuracy is something that the medical establishment doesn't even understand is interesting. But of course, that's because we're looking, we're just looking at correlation, right? So this is all just based on having a lot of different people finding out what their SNPs are and then getting them to do surveys. And then you notice correlations. Oh, a lot of people with this, this, this SNP have a tendency to this. Um, so with IBS, so my understanding of IBS is there often is originally uh, an infectious component to it, but then the body can go into this chronic inflammatory response. And so it's that tendency to the chronic inflammatory response, even when any kind of infection or irritation, it can be a toxin as well. But even when all that stuff is dealt with, which it was in this case, the person still has this inflammatory situation. And then we got the person to start focusing on um, reducing inflammation rather than killing stuff because a lot of those things like the allicin and the wormwood and the oregano are quite irritating so it was actually continuing this irritated state for this person gotten to stop all of that start doing just things to reduce the inflammation and soothe the gut and you know before long they were better that was it but i never would have had the insight personally without seeing that they just have that tendency towards that inflammation there yeah yeah and it's funny you talk about you know the supplementation and overdoing it and you say you see these things are good for me so more must be better but no there's a point of you know no you're just actually doing harm now mm -hmm. even when it's even when you're using food like garlic so absolutely yeah what what does your medicine cabinet look like <laughs> um it's pretty huge i test a lot of stuff uh, I, I use myself a little bit of a guinea pig, which I believe, you know, from my experience, <laughs> is quite common with, you know, actual medical doctors and <laughs> people like that as well. They often use themselves as guinea pigs. Um, so, yeah, I like to learn from experience by trying things on myself and trying it with other people. So it's pretty vast. In terms of things I actually use every day, I'm sure it's still bigger than average. But a lot of it is just, you know, because I'm constantly experimenting. To me, it's fun. You know, it's it's alchemy. It's playing with stuff. And also because I'm looking to optimize now, not just feel okay. You know, I'm like, okay, so hmm, maybe serotonin is not good for you. Let me let me uh, try a couple of things to reduce it and see if I feel better. Oh, interesting. Oh, oh, you know, maybe maybe you know, maybe more dopamine would be good. Oh, you know, maybe less this would be good. Right. So just like playing around with different things. Um, I can talk you through what's in there if you're interested. But yeah, it's fairly substantial. Did any of those experiments go wrong? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I I would say, and I'm not gonna, you know, uh, be a, you know, position myself as anything other than what I am, which is just someone who loves to experiment. But I would say, in the interest of finding stuff that's really good for people, I've definitely tried a bunch of stuff that's been bad. I have sent myself to hospital before uh, yeah. a few years ago. I took ozonated olive oil um, and in in the amount recommended but it turned out that the type of it was like super 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 strong and i didn't understand the difference and actually you know ended up in uh, a and e um my my heart rhythm was so irregular they thought i had something called brugada syndrome which is a rare genetic uh, um again genetic anomaly with a heart luckily that was false and my my ecg went back to normal <laughs> after the uh, poison had worn off but yeah so do i recommend doing what i do to anyone else no but 
you know the advantages that you can benefit from my because sometimes you find things you're like wow this is really amazing this is really game changing um and then it's good to be able to share that with people yeah you know i'm experimenting all the time myself right now i happen to be taking this eye formula for supporting eye health i'm supposed to not need these you know maybe the next time we talk but we'll see nice uh, <laughs> <laughs> can i fix my eyes with my dietary changes i don't know that'd be great uh, it's possible. I mean, uh, you know, I heard that mercury, for instance, is one of the things that can contribute to short-sightedness. So something that detoxified mercury, for instance, maybe. Who knows? Right. Well, it's still more to learn. And I have to get my genetics tested. I, I have to find out um, what I can do better. I, I think I'm doing pretty good. I think I have pretty good intuition about, you know, when I consume these foods, I feel this way. And when I consume these, I, I, I feel great. And I think clearly um, if I have too much of, you know, if I have sugars, for instance, I know I'm going to crash. I don't, I didn't struggle. It's, you know, last night was Halloween and everyone's knocking on our doors and, and, and expecting candies and stuff like that. I can have a bucket full of candy. I'm not going to struggle because I'm not going to eat it. I do not <laughs> crave it at all because it makes me feel miserable. So I have pretty good intuition, but I don't have the genetics insight. <laughs> Well, you may have a, a hunter-gatherer gene. So that's actually one of our favorite individual reports is the carbohydrate report. So there's three different types. And I love this one as well because of whenever I see controversy, I did a video on this recently. Some people are claiming to heal type 2 diabetes with a diet of pure carbohydrate, like potatoes and sugar, really high you know, um, glycemic index. And then some people are claiming to heal diabetes with no carbs, right? Like right. a high-fat protein diet. And I'm like... Is one of them lying? And I always assume that it's not that one of them's lying. I always assume that each of them is telling the truth and I want to understand how they could both be right, even when they're saying opposite things. I, I love to do that. Um, and one of the answers to it is simply genetics. So, and I'm not saying it's the only thing, but it's definitely one factor. So some people have what we call a hunter-gatherer gene. Some people have a farmer gene and some people are in the middle. And so the farmer gene is what we call people who, you know, agriculture is maybe 10,000-ish years, obviously, depending on who your ancestors were. And so some people have adapted to a high-carbohydrate diet. And so they do even okay with simple carbs like sugar, um, and they're totally fine with complex carbs. Hunter-gatherer types, on the other hand, they do poorly with pretty much any carbs and really do very badly if they have anything uh you know other than complex right if they have any kind of sh simple sugars and it's really devastating for them and they very quickly get insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome and you know probably type 2 diabetes and all the rest of it so that's great to know right rather than like trying to do a diet because this person told you or that person told you like start with your genetics and that's true for carbs you know we tell you protein some people push a very high protein diet I think generally a decent amount of protein is very important, but some people are bad at digesting it. And so they have to be very careful uh, how much protein they have. Same thing with fat. So saturated fat is a big one, right? You get the whole paleo keto carnivore community saying saturated fat is much better and it's omega sixes that are a problem and omega sixes have led to a lot of health conditions. Um, but then some people uh do do poorly in saturated fat and it does actually contribute to cardiovascular disease to them and all the rest of it and maybe they'd be better off of a monounsaturated fat as a compromise you know um so all this kind of thing and even nutrients you know like um for instance just a silly example i so often see this particular pattern of people who need more than usual of vitamin k and calcium 
And whenever I say that to them, I say, do you like cheese? And they go, oh, I love it. <laughs> now, they don't always eat it because they have some kind of issue. But of course, like if you need way more calcium than average, most foods do not have high calcium unless they're artificially fortified or unless they're dairy, you know, like nuts and seeds a little bit. But, it's, you know, having a lot of nuts and seeds, a lot of people, it's not great for the digestion. So dairy is like it. And then vitamin K, again, fermented foods only right and most people are not eating natto or you know sauerkraut or whatever so cheese is basically it you know um and so it you know to see those little correlations of oh you know this person has this kind of nutrient requirement and therefore these are the foods that they tend to crave and tend to want and for a lot of them it's a relief you know i'm like well you want this cheese for a reason and if it's disagreeing with you then that's also fair enough, right? Maybe supplementing K2 or maybe eating a different high K2 food is appropriate. But like, yeah, so understanding even our guilty pleasures often have a genetic basis. Yeah, you know, I've come across some pretty dogmatic teachers when it comes to different diets, whether it's paleo, and that's the only way to go. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the diabetes where people are actually convinced that it has to be all carbohydrate type foods, potatoes and carrots and things that others would say, no, you can't have that. You have to have only meats and stay, you know, keto. I believe that people do get very tunnel visioned and dogmatic about their dietary beliefs based on their own experience. And maybe they just happen to nail it and get lucky and find a diet that works with their genetic profile or something. Now they think everyone should have that. But we are definitely all individuals. We're all different. We have different needs. My family, you know, comes from Italy and there's a lot of pastas and, you know, we could probably snort lines of gluten without sneezing because we grew up on that stuff. Um, you know, historically, my grandma made pasta for us every Friday night. We had the big family together and stuff and we loved it and 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 pizzas and, you know. We did very well on that food and feel good after eating it. That doesn't mean that's the right food for everyone. So if oh. I want to find out more genetically, what's a genetic test look like? You mentioned saliva. Am I spitting in a cup? Am I using a swab on the inside of my cheek? How does this work? And, and, and where do you get the test kits or how does it work? Yeah, good question. So if a person has uh, ever done one before, then it is very easy. You just log into whatever it is. You you down, you export your raw data, which got a little instructional video on my YouTube channel how to do that, and you upload it to our system or, in fact, any other system, right? So if you've done it once, then you've done it. That's the good news. If you haven't done it before, what's involved is, yeah, you get a test kit. Uh, I think we are about to, uh, if we haven't already moved to a buckle swab system, but up until now, it's been just put a little bit of saliva into a little test tube. Uh, seal it off, send it off, and wait. It's really uh, as simple as that. Where's the testing being done? Is it uh, United States, UK? Does it matter? Uh, yeah, it's being done in the United States, yeah. Okay, so they'd order a test kit from what website, or how does that work? Yeah, uh, so if you go to geneticinsights.co, that'll take you to uh, uh, our website, um, at feelyounger.net also has all the genetic kit, uh, testing kits on there. Um, so the way that we've done it is we have a lot of different collections on genetic insights, you know, blood sugar, hormones, food allergies, nutrition, etc. Or you can get the limitless package, which is just all 350 plus. Or, so it depends. You know, The reason I did the collections is 
uh, you know, if someone only wants to spend forty dollars and they want to find out a lot of helpful information for their issue, then they can, which is great, right? But if you want to get the full one, then it's not too much more. Um, then when you add it to cart, when you go to check out, it will say, "Do you need a DNA test kit?" And if you do, you add it. And if you don't, then you don't. Um, and then uh, we send it to you. Uh, a lot of people ask, you know, because it's a US company, um, how we do it. We have uh, also, we send it from Germany. So if you're in the EU, it can arrive pretty quickly um, as well. And then you send it back. The worst thing about our service, I'd probably say, is how long you have to wait for your DNA results. Um, I mean, in a really good day, it might be four weeks, but often it could be eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can potentially possibly even be any more, depending on the backlog of the lab and all the rest of it. So, yeah, that's the one area that's maybe not as good as a normal blood test is that if you've never done it before, that it is a bit of a waste. But uh, sorry, waste uh, a bit of a wait. But I promise yeah. it is worth it. Yeah, that doesn't sound horrible. And you said the the biggest all inclusive test is how much? Uh, Two hundred dollars, and you know, for your audience, I'm happy to uh, give you a twenty five percent off coupon code, which I'll uh, I'll provide ah, you. Okay, this might be the little snip that I put at the beginning, so that everyone can hear that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, So I'm interrupting this program to let you know that after recording with Elwin, he did make the coupon code for me, Haley25, H-A-L-E-Y-25, said I could share it with you. Not only will it work for me and give me a discount, but it'll also go to you as well and apply to everything in the cart except the genetic testing kit. So if we purchase one of the packages that includes the genetic testing kit, then it should still apply but just the standalone genetic testing kit it won't i'm going to get the big package myself you can check it out and see what they have and apparently the coupon also works on all the supplements on the site too but i think it's a one-time coupon code and he didn't tell me how long it's going to be good for currently we're in november of 2023 i would imagine it'll probably work through at least the end of november maybe the end of december of 2023 i don't know if it's going to be a forever coupon probably not are they ever but Haley25, H-A-L-E-Y-25. And at the end of this program, I'm going to attempt to make my purchase for my genetic testing kit. And if you wait around long enough, like a couple months, I think he said it would take about eight weeks to get the results back. I'll share those with you too, if it seems not too personal and something that makes sense. I don't know if I'm going to even benefit that much from the report, or maybe it's going to knock my socks off and be amazing. We'll see. All right, back to the show. I'm sure people will be interested and, and want to take advantage of it. I am. I want to I want to get tested and know what I should be doing. I'm sure it's going to largely line up with what I am doing, but I'm sure I'm making mistakes too. And I could optimize my health just a little bit more if I make some better decisions. So excellent. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, to people like us, it's just fascinating, right? I mean, it sounds like you're already pretty dialed in and you seem very healthy, um, but you know, so for some people, it's less that they really need to fix something, and it's more that they're just fascinated in, you know, what's going on. Um, I, I, as I said, although fixing health or improving health is the obvious benefit, the benefit that a lot of people don't think about is the benefit of, I would say, love. Crazy to say, but it's self-love. So accepting yourself as you are, accepting yourself for the limitations you have, maybe realizing some strengths that you didn't know you have, and you know, learning to love other people that are different. 
right? That, yeah. you know, because it's very easy to say, well, I have, I have an issue of gluten. Who are these people who have an issue of gluten? You know, or, well, um, I find it very easy to concentrate and focus. Why do you struggle with it? Or do you see what I mean? Like, it's so easy to get into that mindset, certainly for me. And I see a lot of people do it. You just used the diet example earlier, right? You know, keto works for me. It should, it's good for everyone. Um, so it's just so good to understand yourself and others as well. Even if you're doing everything right already to go, oh, maybe it's working for me because of my genetics and I, the fact that I'm so, you know, that I've been able to be in tune with that rather than because it is the right way that everyone should do. Yeah, yeah. Geneticinsights.com. Uh, .co. .com, unfortunately, .co. was uh, taken. Okay, .co. <laughs> Geneticinsights.co or feelyonger.net. That's the problem with the fact that I only set these websites up a few years ago, all the, uh, the dot-coms are taken. You know, and I, I want my uh, followers to also subscribe to your YouTube channel because it is absolutely excellent. And you've been creating some content recently. I see it started about 10 years ago, and then there was a little time off. And now the content is just coming out addressing absolutely everything. Um, I love it. <laughs> Is Thank there you. going to be a link on one of your websites to your YouTube channel or how do people find that? Yeah, I think also youtube.com slash Elwin Robinson, because I started so early, I did manage to get that. So that's my name. So uh, that's the other one. Yeah, Great. I'm going to put links to all of these locations also on the blog post. And you'll see it below the YouTube video version of our discussion. Um, there's no reason for us to talk uh, much more because you literally covered everything on your YouTube channel and you're still finding new things to put out. So <laughs> there's more to come. So go there, check it out, people. Absolutely excellent. Ellen, I'm so uh, blessed that you joined me today and shared this with me. And I know that I'm going to find out some interesting things in my genetic testing. I'm looking forward to it. Even if I have to wait eight weeks, <laughs> that's okay. I can do it. Awesome. You're a more patient man than my. I, uh, I admire that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And uh, I, I suppose we might do a follow up here in a couple months, especially if I get genetic tested and then have some, you know, wow moments. Would that be okay? I would love to. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is to go through people's genetic reports um, with them and, and you know, learn with them. It's still fascinating to me. So I love that. Thank you. Ellen, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Dr. Haley Show. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot, and share this exact episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode on www.drhaley.com. If you want to geek out with Dr. Michael Haley on other radical health topics, be sure to check out his YouTube channel where he posts exclusive video content. All the details are at www.drhaley.com and we can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.